Well, good morning. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, chapter uh, chapter three, verses four through ten, and uh, uh, um, it's a, another series of contrast that he's going to bring to our attention. The book of John is filled with contrast. Uh, with John, everything is black and white, but when you read the Greek language, you understand. Well, it's not as black and white as he makes it sound. Uh, he, he's not saying that. It, Anybody who sins is therefore condemned forever. That's not what he's saying. Uh, He makes that very clear. Uh, All of these verbs here, uh, whether it's to the side of Satan's family or the side of God's family, all of the verbs that refer to to those those items about sin and how we live our lives has to do with lifestyle and habitual habit. Uh, that's the verbs are in those tenses that that's that's what they that's what they say i'll probably repeat that a few times as we go through but i don't want to have to stop with everyone and tell you what the verb says but that's what it's saying it's habitual habit it's saying uh you know no believer lives in a habitual habit of a sinful lifestyle uh an unbeliever always lives in a habit of habitual uh, habitual sin and as a lifestyle doesn't mean it doesn't mean that they're as bad as they totally can be it just means that they're totally fallen yeah, that's what the um, that's what depravity the depravity of man has to do do with. So that's uh, just kind of have that as a backdrop as we go through the text this morning. Uh, that that's that's what he's saying as as we move through this text. So do, do we have any prayer requests this morning? Okay, so well let's let's just look at the text and read through it first of all, uh, starting at verse four. Everyone who does sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifest in order to take away sin and in him there is no sin no one who abides in him sins no one no one who <clears throat> who sins has seen him or has come to know him little children let no one deceive you the one who does righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous the one who the one who does sin is of the devil because the devil sinned from the beginning the son of god was manifest for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil everyone who has been born of god does not sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of god by this the children of god and the children of devil and of the devil are manifest everyone who does not do righteousness is not of god as well as the one who who does not love his brother so that's that's the text and and basically it's a text about about two families. Uh, it's a text that uh, talks about sin exclusively, and he begins he begins by giving a very simple definition of sin. Uh, uh, and, and basically, what he's saying here is is a, this, the the law defines sin. That's the idea. Uh, John, like we said, is marked by contrast. In verse three of chapter three, he 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 gives we we have this follow this contrast follows because in verse three that we looked at last week says all who have fix their hope on him are purified or are made pure is the idea here They're, they are purified they purifies himself as he is pure uh, that the imputed righteousness of jesus purifies us that's the idea here part of our part of having accepted christ having an indwelling holy spirit is we are pure before god that's a standing we have that's a positional standing we have it won't be completed until we reach eternity but it is a positional st- uh, uh, position that we currently have In in verse 4, he contrasts that. He begins a new contrast now. And now he says, everyone who has, um, oh, excuse me, everyone 
every, everyone who does sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And he uses these two words here uh, to define sin. First of all, Excuse me. Uh, He says, everyone who does sin, uh, the NASB says practices, uh, also does lawlessness. Those are the two words. Uh, He he basically is saying here, as a consistent pattern of their life, this is what it is is typified by. Sin, lawlessness. Uh, He equates the two as equal, is is the idea uh, that he's he's wanting to express here. Uh, It's a consistent pattern of life. Uh, He... He is, he is consistently in a life of sin, a consistent life of lawlessness. That's the idea here. Uh, sin is the common New Testament word, hamartia, uh, which, uh, which, means to, which literally means to miss the mark. It means falling short of a standard. That's the idea here. It, it pictures a, a bowman shooting at a target, and he misses the whole target. That's really the idea here. He not only misses the bullseye, he misses the target, you know. I used to have a, a bow and arrow range in my backyard set up with a bunch of hay bales and, you know, and every once in a while somebody missed everything completely and you heard the fence go bang when the barrow hit it, you know, and I was like, oh, give me the bow back, you know, <laughs> that was kind of the idea. It's to miss the mark. That's the idea. Lawlessness is anomia, uh, which is a word that uh, <clears throat> that in the King James is, is normally translated uh, Inequity uh, that's used in Matthew seven thirty three, uh, where Jesus condemns those and says they're workers of iniquity, and he tells them to depart from him. Uh, that's that's the that's the way this word is uh, is used twelve times. It speaks of works of iniquity uh, in 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 the New Testament. It's not, here it's translated transgression. Uh, but all of these words mean the same thing. Uh, it means a contempt for and a violation of the law. Uh, that's the picture of this word. This word doesn't just mean they break the law. They have actual contempt for the law. Uh, that, that's, that's a part of the word. Uh, they have a contempt for the word. And they and they violate the law. Hebert in his, his commentary said it, that it is a deliberate deviation from and an infraction of the standard of right, a willful rebellion arising from the deliberate uh, choice of the sinner. That's that's the idea here. Uh, That's that's what he's saying. This that's what this word means. That's what it means to be lawless. That's that's the idea to sin and to be lawless. The Westminster, the West, excuse me, the Westminster Shorter Catechism on question 414, which is what is sin, answers the question this way. Sin is any want of conformity into, unto, or transgression of the law of God. That's the idea. It's anything that deviates from what God has stated. That's lawlessness. That's 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 the idea that is expressing here. Uh, John is John here is saying that sin is is an attitude that lawlessness, sin and lawlessness is an attitude of revolt or a rebellion against the word of God. That's what it's saying here. And basically, it doesn't matter to what extent. Uh, this isn't this isn't necessarily portraying the career criminal who murders and steals and causes havoc everywhere. It could be just the simple. I refuse to believe. 
you know, that, that, that in and of itself is, is lawlessness. That's rebellion toward God. It's, it's deviating from God's word. It's changing it. It's wanting to add to it or subtract from it. It's all kinds of things that we might see as somewhat maybe minor. But you understand in the, in the economy of God, there is no such thing as minor sin. And the Roman Catholic Church is completely wrong. There are not two levels of sin. You know, the ones that are forgivable and the ones that are not. They're all the same. That, that's, that's the idea here. And incidentally, no priest can absolve you of them anyway. Uh, but, but, but the idea here, the idea here is it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude of rebellion. It's an I will not, and I'm going to do it my It's the, the, the song, you know, I'll do it my way. Yeah, well, sing that song before God, and he's going to tell you, you're going to do it his way. Uh, you know, ultimately, that's, that's the answer. It's always, it's always uh, you know, it, it, just, it just is kind of, here, here's the thing. If, 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 here's the logic, I think. Maybe it's logical. But anyway, if God is the creator, and he created man, and man rebelled against him, and he had a plan in order to redeem man, it, isn't it only reasonable that you have to do it his way? You know, that's, that's, that's the bottom line here. It's, that's the reasonable thing. But the, sin, the sinless, lawless person says, no, I will not. That's what he says. No, I will not. It's a rebellion against God's authority and against his revealed word. Which basically are one and the same thing. But nevertheless, uh, therefore, a true believer, while he may on occasion sin, and John made note of that, John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have, have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of sins and clean us from all unrighteousness. So John is not in any way saying that in order to be a believer, you have to achieve the level of sinless perfection. That doesn't happen until you're translated to heaven. Uh, that, that doesn't happen in this life. That's why those verses are there. That's what, that's what, they, that's what he's wanting them to, uh, wanting them to understand. And, and, then he, and he goes on, and, he, and he, but he's, what he's saying here, what he's saying here, his lifestyle, his common practice will not be defiance of God. It will not be a rebellion against God. It will be more living in conformity uh, to his word. And then he's going to go on from there, and he's going to talk about, uh, I, I put it this way, uh, that, that uh, he, it defines our residency. Uh, verse 5. And if we know that he was manifest in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or has come to know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does sin is of the devil, because the devil sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was manifest for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So here, here he's going to talk about, he's going to introduce this whole idea uh, that there are basically two families on the planet Earth. And, he's, and he first of all, he says, and you know. And basically this is a word, know here is a word uh, that is not... You don't. You, it, 
this is not just information you have obtained, but it's ex- but it's but it's a, a confidence that derives from personal uh, perception. Uh, it, it's you've come to know by experience, uh, by having walked with God, by having been with God. <clears throat> You have come to know him. That's, that's the idea. You know this because you know God. That's, that's really, you know Jesus. That's, that's the idea here that he's expressing. Not you didn't, you didn't read a book on him. That's not the idea here. Uh, it's, the idea here is that, that you have personal interaction with the creator of the universe, ultimately. Uh, that's, that's what it's saying here. You have a personal, you have a personal perception of him. That's that's what he's that's what he's saying when he says, you know, and then he says, this is what you know, this is what you've come to perceive. This is what you've come to experience that he was manifest in order to take away sin and that in him there is no sin. Uh, that that's what you know. He was manifest. This is speaking of the incar- incidentally, this this particular word manifest or appeared uh, it can be translated in a number of different ways. The, the, uh, the, I forgot what, what I'm using here. The L, uh, the LVS, uh, chose to use, uh, uh, chose to use manifest, but it may, it basically means when he appeared and it can be, it can be used either of his, of his incarnation or his second coming. The context here dictates it's his first coming. It's it's the incarnation. It's the it's the taking on humanity to pay the price of our sin. This is what this is what he has in mind here. This is what he is saying to them when he says he was manifest, and then he goes on and he tells us what he was manifest to do in order to take away sin. Uh, that happened at his incarnation. Uh, that's 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 the idea uh, that he wants us to see. It was it was at at that point. It was his earthly ministry, uh, and he takes the fact and he states the fact that he came in order to take away sin. <clears throat> he didn't just provide forgiveness; he paid the penalty. That's that's what this is saying. He didn't just provide a means of forgiveness; he actually took on the penalty himself and paid it in full. That's 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 what he's wanting us to understand as he comes to as he comes to this text. Uh, it's it's the idea uh, that he made propitiation for us. He paid the price. He redeemed us, and he brought justification as a result of that. Uh, those are those are the doctrinal areas that this this addresses. That's that's what he says. He took away the sin. The sin has been removed. Uh, in John. Uh, Chapter uh, chapter one, verse twenty one. John the Baptist says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." Uh, in effect, that's what John here is saying: "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." That's that's what he's saying. Isaiah fifty three told the Israelis that a Messiah would come who would who would remove sin from his people, and and that's that's what that's what John is saying here. The New Testament. Apostles uh, taught this is an accomplished fact. First Peter, First Peter, chapter two, verse twenty-four. Peter wrote, "Who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so having died to sin, he might live to righteousness. By his wounds you are healed." And Second Peter. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter. Oh, excuse me. No, I want Titus, don't I? 
uh, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing and the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people of his own possession, zealous for good works. Once again, uh, that's the idea here. That's what John is saying. This is what Jesus did. He came that he might destroy the works of the devil, that he would remove from us all unlawlessness that's, and purify us. Uh, those are the ideas. Is. He wants us to say, uh, he wants us to, 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 to understand. And then he says, in him there is no sin. Now this word is a present tense verb. And basically what he is saying when he says this is he says, Jesus is eternally sinless. Before his incarnation, he was sinless. During his incarnation, he was sinless. After his incarnation, he is sinless. That's, that's what this verb is saying. Always been and will be, always, always has been, is, and will be sinless. <clears throat> so basically what he is saying is, as a result of Jesus having, having been manifest, come in the flesh, paid the penalty of our sins, took them away, uh, uh, we should not yield to sin because we serve an eternally sinless Savior. Chapter 2, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. For you know that He is righteous, and you know that everyone who does righteousness has been born of Him. That's, that's what he's saying here. This is who He is, and that's who we are to be. Uh, because of him and in him. And then in verse 6, he, he goes on and he, and he, he reiterates. Uh, he, says, he says, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen or has come to know him. Here, here's what he is saying here. He says, he, he reiterates. Uh, those who are, con- who are savingly connected to, to Christ do not live in a continual state of sin. They don't live in sin as a lifestyle. That's, that's what he's saying here. Uh, verse 6 says, No one who abides in Him, no one who has made his home with Jesus. That's, that's the idea here. It means to come to saving faith is what, he, what he's ultimately saying. But no one who abides with Him, no one who is at home with Jesus Christ. You know, that... that, that, that uh, kind of expresses the idea that when you're at home, uh, that's when you're around your people. Uh, That's when you're around your loved ones, your family. Uh, That's when you you are in the comfort zone, I suppose you would say. So what it's saying here is, is he's saying, those who abide in him, those who have come to a saving knowledge of him, those who are at home in the family of God, uh, those who are at home with Jesus, that's, that's the idea. They, no one who abides in Him, mm-hmm. no one who abides, sins. 
we we don't we don't practice a lifestyle of sin anymore. That's uh, that's that's what he's wanting them to wanting them to understand. Galatians two twenty. <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's, that's what John is saying here. We're at home with him. He is the one who put us in this life now. He is, he is life to us because we're at home with him. But on the contrast to that, he's going to contrast that. And he says, but no one who sins has seen him or has come to know him. In other words, the unbelieving world does not know Jesus Christ. They're not at home with him. Uh, they haven't come to see. doesn't mean they haven't heard about him. They don't have knowledge of him. Uh, it basically means they have no perception of who he truly is. Oh, thank you. That may help. That may help. Yeah, get set it. Yeah, he's about he's a, he's about to melt. But anyway, wow. Anyway, thank you. You guys are blocked by the piano. Anyway, uh, anyway, I forgot where I was now. Verse 6, verse 6. I wrote 220. We're moving on in 6. No one, who, no one who sins has seen him or has come to know him. It doesn't mean, this means they haven't had any perception of who Jesus is. Well, they may have all these crazy ideas. They may tell you, saying, I saw an article. I didn't read it this morning. I didn't have time. But I saw an article where someone declared that Jesus was a Nazi. I, yeah, I don't. I didn't get to read the article, so I'm sorry for even bringing it up. But anyway, uh, I didn't have time. Uh, but you know, it's, there's the idea. You know, I, I have no idea where they get that precept from. Generally, the people who call you a name—that's what they are. You know, that pretty much. If you listen to politics today, whatever name that individual is calling the opponent, that's who they are, <laughs> and they're just imposing it on him. Uh, but but at any rate. At any rate, they don't know Jesus. That's what it's saying. John, Third uh, John, uh, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. And John's just reiterating that again, that idea. Uh, those who are apart from God don't know who he is. They simply just do not know who he is. That's that's what he that's what he wants them to understand. But the believer whose life is in Christ, who has been sanctified—that's ultimately what this is talking about. Ephesians, or excuse me, Second uh, uh, Corinthians three fifteen. It, it's that idea that we are being we are being changed from glory to glory. That's what the process of sanctification is. We are being made more Christ-like. That's 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 the process. Uh, uh, um, that's that's the the whole concept of where we are. That's where we live this life. It's called pro, uh, progressive sanctification. It's it, that's the idea. That's the, the, the time you spend in this flesh, on this planet, uh, in fellowship with Christ. He is changing you. He's bringing you into conformity with himself. I think the real idea is that when you do go to heaven, it won't be as massive a change as you might expect. 
if you follow the path of sanctification because he's he's changing you as as you move along the unbeliever though is the one who continues in habitual sin and as a result of that he has no idea who Christ is he has misconceptions and he has totally misconstrued what the word of God teaches he's found little phrases if he's male he probably found the one that says husbands love you, uh, uh, or wives obey your husbands that's probably the only one he knows you know uh, but nevertheless and doesn't know what it means didn't read the rest of it to find out how that plays out Another big one they'll do is thou shalt not judge. Yeah, and they're not judge. Uh, if they're if they're opposed to capital punishment, they'll they'll say, you know, thou shalt not kill. Uh, those kind of things, you know, those those are the kind of things. They have no idea of the context. They have no idea of what it means. That's that's what this is saying. And then he goes on in verse seven. He says. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And here's the, here's the, the whole thing. Paul warned the Ephesians, our uh, elders, uh, before his departure in chapter 20, about the deceptiveness of the, of the grievous wolves that could enter the flock. Jude is filled with it. He calls them, he calls them reefs in your love feast uh, that basically wreck the faith of others. And, and that's what he's saying here. Don't be deceived. Don't let anybody trick you. Understand, they lived in the day of, of incipient Gnosticism that was beginning. That were these who were coming on and attacking who Jesus Christ was. Just exactly what the verse before says. They didn't know who Jesus was. They were declaring him to be some kind of a phantom uh, that uh, rested on some guy named Jesus. Uh, at his baptism and left at the crucifixion. He was, he was a phantom. He was a ghost of, of some kind. That's what they had taught. Uh, they also had taught, they were, they were steeped in, in Greek philosophy, Greek dualism. And they taught that sin doesn't matter because that's the flesh and the flesh is evil. Uh, there's a dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is good. It's just feed the spirit, but don't worry about the flesh. You can do whatever it wants. You know, uh, this text is saying, no, that's not. That's, that's not. And he's saying, don't let these deceivers deceive you. That's, that's the idea here that he wants them to understand. Notice, notice 2.26, he said the same thing. He, he began this idea there. He said, these things I have written to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Uh, well, that's what we've got going. Those who are trying to deceive you. That's what this whole th- meeting is about. Those who have come in to, to the church, who actually try to pull away from the church, to deceive you. Uh, that you don't need the, the, the assembly of God. He says, little children, don't let anyone deceive you. The believer is to understand and not be led away from the truth of their salvation. Uh, that's part of the process of sanctification, that you grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not that you be taken away from it. And just here is in here is we're not to pay attention to what the world wants to tell us about sin. Uh, look at what the world is trying to tell us about sin today uh, in the whole in the whole uh, uh, transgender invasion of some of our schools and, and the perversion of children uh, that is going on today. The world's telling you, oh, love is love. Is love. It doesn't matter who you love. You know, um, understand something. 
there, there's a there's there's an interesting thing that flows through through Scripture after Genesis three, the fall. It basically, uh, well, not just after Genesis three, before Genesis three, God who created man created him with two sexes, two two uh, two genders, male and female. He created man. That's what the text says. Uh, mankind has two two facets to it, male and female, none other. Uh, that's that's what it teaches. There are two people, there are two families in the world, God's and Satan's. Satan wants to blur all that God did. His first act was to bring question to God's word. Here John is calling them, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let, don't let the world's definition of sin or the world's definition of righteousness direct you. But don't allow... Uh, don't allow uh, our trust is to be in scripture uh, not the nightly news uh, not in some secular podcast who is going to, to going to give you an analysis of, of everything and critique everything it, we're not to put our faith in politicians if you want to be disappointed there's a place to put your faith I don't know if any of you remember. Do you remember when Pat Robinson was going to run for president? Do you remember what a debacle it was? Do you remember the things that morons who had the, had the letters REV in front of their name got up and said? They said that he was going to usher in the kingdom of God for Jesus. Do you realize that's right out of the mouth of Satan? Don't listen to politicians no matter who they claim to be. They're, they're not your salvation. That's, that's what he's saying here. That's what he's ultimately telling us here. Let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness, and righteousness here is defined by follows the law of God, follows God. The one who does righteousness is righteous. The one who practices as a lifestyle righteousness is righteous. Just as he said in verse 29, know that he is righteous. You know that everyone who also does righteousness is born of him. Those who are born of Jesus Christ live in the world of righteousness. And they have been declared righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And they will one day be completely righteous when they are in his his presence. And it's because of him. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. That's where we are to put our... our That's where we are to put our faith. We will reflect our spiritual heritage. That's what John is telling us here. We're going to reflect who it is, whose family it is we are in. The new birth will result in a a desire to show gratitude to God in in worship and in service. Ephesians 2.10. You're created for good works after you are saved. Uh, just as he is righteous. Incidentally, when he says this, he's not saying you have equal righteousness with Jesus. You're not equal to Jesus. He's basically he's basically saying you you your righteousness demonstrates you're a member of God's family. That's that's the idea he wants to say. Chapter two, verse one. First John, my little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. And if anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's ultimately what he's saying here. And then in verse 8, 
we have a con- an, we have another contrast coming here. Uh, verse eight, he says, he says, the one who does sin is of the devil, because the devil sinned from the beginning, and the Son of God was manifest for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Verse seven says, he who does righteousness, and now in verse eight he says, he who does sin, uh, the one who misses the mark, uh, the one who is a willful rebel against God as a, as, as a continuing lifestyle uh, he's of the devil that's what he's saying here and now he's giving us the contrast in two families we have the righteous f- family of God in verse 7 and we have the sinful family of God in verse 8 uh, John chapter 8 no oh, here it is I got too many tags today uh, John chapter 8, verse 44. You are, not, you are he's speaking to the Pharisees, and, 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 and he, he's talking to the fact that he, he is the one who can set them free uh, from sin, and that uh, the ones who are involved in sin are slaves to sin. And as he's going on, he says to, the, to these, these religious leaders of Israel, he says to them, You are of your father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whoever he, uh, whenever he speaks, he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature, for he was a liar and the father of lies. That's, that's what he's saying here. Augustine, Augustine said this. He said, for the devil made no man, begat no man, but whosoever imitates the devil... That person, as if begotten of him, becomes a child of the devil by, imit- by imitating him, not literally by being begotten of him. In other words, the devil created no one, but those who wish to imitate him become his children. That's, that's what he's saying here. That's, that's the idea here. And then he says, but he says, he says, uh, he says, uh, because he sinned from the beginning. When he says he sinned from the beginning, this does not mean that he, san- he sinned in Genesis 1-1. That's not what it means. What it means is from the beginning of his sin, the moment he rebelled, the moment Satan rebelled. Scripture speaks about this. We don't know when that was. That's an unknown quantity. Uh, there is speculation of different, different time periods. There are some theologians that claim it happened within seconds of his creation. Uh, others who think there was some time period in between that. We don't know. That's, you speculate when you do that. Uh, there are those who, there are those, and I kind of fall in this camp, who take Genesis 1, chapter 1 through, uh, verses 1 through 3, chapter, verse 1 is a summary statement, in the beginning God created, uh, chapter, verse 2 as a negative condition on which, verse 3, God took action. Uh, that's Bruce Walke's scenario, uh, and I kind of follow that pattern, I think it's true. Um, however, uh, there are those who say that condition of chapter two is a result of Satan's fall and the disruption of the of, of the cosmos. Then it was before man was created. Don't know if that's true or not. Could be, but that's a possibility. Uh, and, and and but the but we don't know the time, but we do know the circumstance. Isaiah gives us some of that circumstance of what happened uh, when when Satan fell. Isaiah. Chapter 14, verses 12, uh, 12 through 14. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to earth. 
You have weakened the nations, but you say in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. This is his rebellion. I will ascend to heaven. I will will rise my uh, throne above the stars of God. I will sit sit on the mount of the assembly in the recess of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the Most High. Uh, That was his rebellion. Basically, he would replace God. Uh, Basically, I would be like the Most High. I would be equal to God. That's what Satan declared. Oh, by the way, what did he promise Eve if she bit the apple? You'll be like God. That was the promise. That was the promise. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17 gives more of the description of what happened. There he's called the, the, the anointed cherub that covered. He was the guardian of God's glory. And he decided, I don't want to guard it. I want it. Uh, that's ultimately what happened with him. Uh, that was his fall. Uh, and basically he goes on here. He says, that's what it's talking about. The moment all of that occurred with Satan, we don't know when that was. We have no idea when that was. Uh, but he says, the Son of God was manifest for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The first place we have an indication of that destruction is Genesis 3.15, when he says, the foot of the offspring of Mary would crush the head of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of the serpent. Uh, John 12.31 uh, also speaks to to uh, to the destruction of the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter chapter two verse fourteen. He says uh, the author of Hebrews wrote this. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also took place in the uh, in the same. Talking about Jesus, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, that's part of the works of the devil that he destroyed. He destroyed the fact that death has a hold over us. No, that's no longer true. Uh, that's no longer true. He destroyed the works of the devil. Uh, that, but the works of the devil not only include death, but they include the temptation to sin. God has provided the means by which we can we can overcome sin. First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. There's no temptation taken us, but it's common to man. Uh, but who with the, but God who with the temptation will will provide the means of escape. Uh, he is he has quelled our rebellion against God. Uh, God. That's part of His work. Uh, the ideologies and the false religions, the persecutions, the false teachers, but especially the power of death. Uh, Colossians 1.13, who rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son of his love. That's, that's the idea. That's what Jesus did. That is part of what he did in his death and in his resurrection. He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the son. That's, that's the idea here, he's saying. Uh, so he's established that there are, are two definite families here. One of Satan, their, their life is characterized by a, by a life of lawlessness, a life of sin. And the family of God who is characterized by righteousness. That, those, are, those are the ideas he wants us to understand. In verse 9 and verse 10, he, he, brings this, he brings this to a conclusion. Verse 10 basically is a conclusion. Verse 9 says, Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. 
Born of God here is the idea of the new birth. That's what's being emphasized here. It is that moment that you received Jesus Christ and you were given the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, that that's that's the picture that is being being presented at this point. John chapter three, verses three through eight. Uh, John said, speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this, that I say this to you. You must be born again. The, blo- the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. So everyone who is born to the spirit. And that, that, the, the whole concept here is the new birth is produced by the spirit through the spirits indwelling. And that's what he's, that's what he's alluding to here. Uh, in regeneration, the, the divine principles of life, of, of divine life, are implanted, i.e. his seed. That's what it's talking about. When he says his seed, he's talking about the divine life that the Holy Spirit brings into us. First Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 25. For you have not been born again of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the Word of God, uh, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word proclaimed to you was the good, and this, and this is the Word which was proclaimed to you as good news, the Gospel, in other words. Um, Second, Second Peter. Second Peter two uh, one one fourteen, knowing that he laid aside all of his earthly dwelling is imminent. Okay, I got the wrong verse. Verse four, excuse me, not fourteen. If I if I could read my own writing, for by this he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption of this world by lust in other words what he is saying to us here is the new birth gave to us the divine life that's what it's saying and the ability to live that life The ability to be obedient to God. That's, that's, what he, that's the idea. 1 Corinthians 5.17 uh, We are new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. That's, that's the picture he's wanting us to see here. By the works of the Holy Spirit, we are now enabled to live godlessly. Or to live godly. Mm-hmm. 
And it resulted it resulted in the fact that we cannot sin. Uh, basically, what he is saying here, it will never be a habitual lifestyle again within you. It doesn't mean you won't occasionally sin. It means it's not the lifestyle you will you will lead again. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians two one through sixteen addresses addresses this. Uh, 1 through 6, excuse me, addresses this. In verse 1, he tells us, you are dead in your trespasses. That's the first thing he says. And then he goes on and he delineates the lifestyle of an unregenerate human being. And then then there's this marvelous little phrase in verse 4, and it says, but God. That's the next thing he says. But God. And then in verse 6, he says, he says that he gives what God did. But in verse 6, he says the conclusion to all that, we are raised up with him. That's the picture here. Uh, The lifestyle has changed. It's no longer one of habitual sin. We have been raised up in Jesus Christ. That's, That's the idea. The old things have passed away. And that's what he's wanting us to understand when he comes to verse 9. Because we are born of him, that's the result. That's the result. And then finally he concludes by saying this. By this, the children of God and the children of devil and the devil are manifest. In other words, the two the two families that are on the face of the earth currently are contrasted. The children of God and the children are, are of, of of the devil are manifest. Incidentally, there's no middle ground here. Uh, there's no there's no there's no neutral zone. You either are or you are not. That's, that's, that's what he's saying here. It's pretty cut and dry. You're either of God or you're of the devil. You're of light, of light or you're of darkness. You're of life or you're of death. You're of heaven or you're of hell. That's what he's saying here. There's no middle ground. There's no, there's no room for any, any other idea here. There's no other family. There's no other, well, maybe. It either is or is not, is what he's saying. And he he says, the one who does righteousness is not of God. That's the first thing he says. The first characteristic of those who are not of God is they don't do righteousness. He says, that's been made manifest. It's been made visible. They don't do righteousness. They're not of God. And secondly, he makes this statement. As well as the one who does not love his brother. Jesus in chapter 13 of John, in verses 34 through 38, basically says that we will be known because we love one another. The mark of Christianity is a love for one another. That's that's what he's saying here. That's that's how we're going to be known. Conversely... Those who are at war with their brother all the time don't know God. That, that's, that's the idea here. Incidentally, that final few words are the lead-in for the rest of chapter 3. The rest of chapter 3 will now talk about love for brother. And that's where we're going to go. Any comments or questions this morning? I think we all need to find a water fountain. (laughs) Wow. It got warm in here. Let's close. Father God, we we thank you. I, I don't even know. Thanks is not even a word that is close 
to what I want to say. But we are so grateful and we are so thankful and we are so amazed that you and your graciousness, out of your love and through your mercy and by your own choice of your will for your purposes, chose to redeem us. Chose us to make us a part of your family and by by giving us your Holy Spirit to indwell us, gave us the ability to, to, live a, to live a divine lifestyle. You separated us out from the children of Satan and have given us great and precious promises. And once again, I don't even know how to begin to express the gratitude other than that we should live that lifestyle, give you glory and honor, worship you wholly and thank you immensely and may that be our purpose and may that be our desire today Uh, may we understand fully who we are in Christ and then live that way that his name would be lifted up and that he would be seen and glorified in and through us and we would thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Amen